Hi, and welcome to the South Central PA Mom Fireflies and Whoopie Pie Podcast, where we discuss motherhood, local events, and everything in between right here in South Central PA. So sit back, grab a coffee a while, and settle in for the show. Hi, everyone. Today we have Mandy Lazy from Cypress Hair Studio with us. Thanks for stopping by. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, so you are a hairstylist. How did you get into doing that? Ah, uh, okay. This is like one of those interesting questions. So growing up, I loved all things art. I took art classes in high school, like even when it was no longer required. I think from middle school on, I had an art class every year. And honestly, I thought I was going to be a teacher one day. Um, but, you know, once I was out of high school, I realized I did not want to do college and go into crazy amounts of debt. And I always struggled with my own hair. I was bullied growing up because I had naturally curly hair and I just couldn't um, stand the thought of not knowing what to do with my hair. So I decided to go into cosmetology school and just learn all things hair. That way I could kind of conquer that whole situation and help other people feel better about themselves. And then it wasn't until later on that I realized this is an art background. So I think just my love of art um, fueled this and and then wanting to help other people. And how long have you been a hairstylist now? Um, since 2004. So almost two decades. That's, that's amazing. And I know on Instagram, I write, I think Instagram and Facebook, you call yourself black belt beauty. Yeah. So what is that about? Okay. So, um, a few years back I was like, okay, like what, what would be a cute screen handle that like screams me? And, um, I've practiced martial arts on and off since I was in middle school. And I left um, because I got busy, got a boyfriend, got stupid, and um, just kind of stopped doing it. And then when my kid was nine, he um, ended up, you know, he, we were homeschoolers. So for his gym class, he wanted to do either martial arts or gymnastic. And we decided to do martial arts as a family. And from there, I never looked back. Like, I've been practicing solidly for seven years. And... um uh, my husband and my old instructor um, and I actually opened a martial arts school out of our church. So we run it like a ministry. So between being on the mats several days a week and practicing hair, um, I just decided to go by the screen handle of Black Belt Beauty. And the concept behind it is, is applying everything that I learned in the martial arts about you know, living confidence inside to the outside of you and kind of applying that to the people that sit in my chair and helping them live their beauty confidently from the inside to the outside. That makes a lot of sense, you know, because being confident is so much more than just your appearance on the outside. You know, it's something you have to bring from within too. Yes. If you don't feel good on the inside, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to exude that on the outside. Yeah. So being a hairstylist for almost 20 years, um, I think we all have to know what, what's the tea? Like what, what is, <laughs> <laughs> what are the things that, you know, you hate and, you know, what are all the horror stories? <laughs> I mean, a lot of us, I mean, let's be real. A lot of us can, can, okay. We've been servers or worked in retail. Not a lot of people know what it's like to be a hairstylist. Okay. So there are a few things that come to mind. Um, one, my kid and a good friend of mine, they like to kind of be divas behind the chair. Sometimes they want to hold the mirror and like watch everything I do. Now, not everybody does that, but a lot of times there are individuals that might think they can tell you how to do your job or they'll question like what you're doing rather than trust the process. And sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, go ahead and ask anything you want. But um, there are some people that are like, you know, right down to, you know, touching their hair while I'm 
combing it or whatever that that kind of drives me a little bit nuts um I don't get that as much anymore as I did in the beginning like I said my kid and my friend are primarily the ones um another (laughs) thing that we don't love is when we're like washing color out of someone's hair in the shampoo bowl right and they'll say to us how does it look um well, your hair is soaking wet and the color's not completely off of it. It's oxidative hair color. So the color molecules that last rose to the surface and oxidized is not necessarily what the pigment is going to be that I put in. It's just an underlying pigment that offsets a tone I'm trying to neutralize or whatever. So no, I have no idea what it's looking like so far. And your hair is two shades darker when it's wet anyway. So I can't answer that while I'm washing your hair. Um, so that's another thing. I, I have to be honest. I think I've I've asked people that. <laughs> if you've asked me, girl, I forget. <laughs> but yeah, it always cracks me up because I'm like, well, how should I know until I like really start getting it like a quarter of the way dry? Like I can anticipate what it looks like, but I can't tell you what it looks like right now in this bowl. You look like a drowned rat. And yeah, there's <laughs> color molecules that aren't really going to be the actual pigment. Are there any other, like, um, like, uh, for example, one, like, uh, when I'm sitting in the chair, a lot of times, you know, do you ever feel like awkward? Oh, like, yes. oh gosh, am I doing stuff wrong? Like when your hair is being washed, like, what am I supposed to do? Do I close my eyes? Do I look at the ceiling? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know, that's one thing that's never really bothered me me i've never had anyone that like really just looks me straight in the eyes when i'm doing it that might be like a little awkward Um, (laughs) but most of my people just kind of close their eyes or they'll be talking to me and looking around the room while i'm doing it and and we're just in the moment and it's fine but i do know there are some stylist friends of mine that have been like in the past yo this person was staring me straight in the eye while i'm trying to wash their hair and i'm like Sorry, that's us. That but uh, so creepy. <laughs> it it is a little creepy, but I don't get that very often, if ever. Oh, one thing that's like really crazy is like when these people <clears throat> come to you and they want to go lighter, whether it's blonde or they want a coppery color that's in style right now. I had this girl the other day come in and she wanted copper hair, and she had gone to somebody before me, and um, she had like eight inches of regrowth, and it, her hair is black, and then there were blonde ends. And she was like, this blonde ends is the copper that they put in that was supposed to be what I'm showing you, but it it washed out in two days. And I was like, well, they lifted it too much. Like they made it too blonde and that's why the copper didn't hold. And I was like, but this is no big deal. Like we can totally, you know, get it to where it'll stick, blah, blah, blah. So I started with a high definition, high lift red, like red copper, So I would not have to bleach her out because typically I can get that to work. But then once I rinsed her and brought her back from the shampoo bowl to my chair to do the second um, step of the color process, uh, there was a band of black hair where um, her blonde ends and what I had just colored red uh, where they met. Like there was a two inch black band of hair. And I was like, did you have color on your hair before? Um, before this, like at all, like between getting that copper the last time that faded out and your regrowth. And she goes, oh, yeah, they shadow rooted me. I totally forgot to tell you. Well, okay, what, what is shadow? What is that? A shadow root is typically like after someone goes really, really light or something or changes the overall of their hair. And then they have you kind of paint a shadowed root effect at the roots to kind of look close to your natural so you have a slightly rooted effect so the grow out process is a little bit easier it doesn't look like a crazy line of demarcation when it grows out i personally don't love shadow rooting because i don't like to put any artificial color on the hair that isn't necessary because if they want to go lighter that can hinder that process later on Um, depending on what's used. So I do other techniques to give a diffused look at the root. Um, But a lot of people love to root shadow, root melt, all those things. And I'm not a huge fan, depending on what service we're going for. Um, But what was a three-hour service turned into five and became a color correction 
because she forgot to tell me her hair history. And when you're in the thick of that sort of project, um, bleach and high lift color, it's not going to lie. So if you have any sort of previous color on there, your high lift colors and bleaches are going to reveal that to you. And, and that happened. And that's something I've read um, that's super important is to tell your stylist like what you've done to your hair. Yes. Um, even and I see this all the time and it's like even if it's box dye and I get I, I totally get the instinct to be like, I don't want to tell you that I used L'Oreal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, it probably makes a difference, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's going to hinder your results of what we're trying to give you. So you kind of have to like be totally honest with your stylist if you're expecting a particular result, because what you've done in the last two to five years even is hanging in the hair, whether you can't see it or not anymore. And like one thing that I tell myself, and I'm sure you can back me up, is that they're not going to judge you for it. They just, you just need to know so you can handle it. They're not going to exactly. be like, you know, no one's going to be looking down on you for using, you know, the cheap hair dye. Not at all. No, it's, it's definitely not something I would want any of my close friends using on themselves for a variety of reasons. But like, I'm not going to look down on somebody because they were in a season of life where they had to cut costs. It's just, I can't promise certain results when I don't know what's going on in there. And I, I can't make a game plan to help you get to your results if I don't know what's going on in there. I will say a lot of the times that I've used box dye, it's because I'm feeling impulsive. You know, like I'm just kind of browsing <laughs> along in the store and I'm like, ooh, purple. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do that. <laughs> I, I think I had that for like a good year or two um, a few years ago where it was like, I think it was trendy at the time that, um, you know, like I think they called it violet or something mm -hmm. like that dark kind of, it wasn't overwhelming, like super bright purple, but it was like purpley. Yeah. I think I just literally was walking by and was like, Hey, <laughs> that's pretty this cool. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed in your salon, um, is you guys use organic hair color. Yes. So what is that about? Like, what's the difference between organic hair color and I guess just a regular salon? So the typical things that people would get in a normal beauty supply store, such as Cosmoprof, Salon Centric, um, any of the big name uh, cosmetologist type stores that most of the salons get their stuff from, there are like brands like Redken. Like right now, Redken Shades EQ is like the toning formulas for most salons. But these products, and I'm not downing them, they just aren't clean. Um, <clears throat> they're professional, but they have chemicals. And yes, there are some toxins, um, you know, and, and what someone deems toxin versus another is a whole other thing. But I do struggle with autoimmune um, thyroid disease. So when I found the salon I work at, <clears throat> it was just a blessing because I knew the products I was being exposed to was not going to harm my endocrine system or, you know, my autoimmunity because there are a lot of endocrine disrupting chemicals in even just simple everyday products like our regular deodorant with aluminum. Anyone with an endocrine uh, issue shouldn't be using it. So there are things in even hair colors, um, professional even, that just could be potentially harmful for someone who is um, genetically predispositioned to autoimmunity. So, and, and other things. I mean, like, it's just good to minimize exposure in general, aside from any potential illnesses in the body. But um, the difference between uh, the organic product we get in versus like the usual is there are no chemicals. Um, there are no PPDs. There's no ammonia. Um, so basically, uh, you're getting cleaner product that isn't going to harm you and it's made from organic like product like it's it's all natural type stuff um so 
we we carry that. We import it in from Australia. It's a great line. Um, and then we also uh, use like their styling products. And then there's another company that we use their styling products. Um, the young man that designed that line, his father was a cosmetologist. He had developed liver cancer, and um, this this guy's son decided to create a clean line. So stylists would not be exposed to chemicals like his father had been, um, which is not uncommon to hear that stylists end up with liver cancer down the road. Uh, I've known other stylists in my lifetime that also had. Um, so it's it's not. Oh gosh. I mean, that, you know, like when you say that, it makes sense. I mean, when you stop and think about it, like. Because, I mean, when you, for example, use your box dye, it always talks about make sure you, you're in a, a well-ventilated area. Yeah. But when you're a hairstylist, you know, you're just sitting there breathing it in, like, all day, every day. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love going to work. And, and I can do anywhere from, well, three, four, five colors a day, where that's my entire anywhere from eight to 13 hour day, I'm in color all day. So just knowing that I don't have to worry, it's just a huge load off my shoulders. And knowing that my clients are also, you know, exposed to better things, it, it makes me happy because, um, you know, there was a time where I wouldn't have thought twice about what I was putting into or on my body, you know, just go to any store and pick it up. But knowing what I know now about certain um, autoimmune conditions and how that works and how it just kind of hides for years until it creeps up. I'm just grateful knowing that if anybody has that potential situation in their body, I'm not part of that process to make that worse one day. And of course it still works just as well. Yes. Yes. So when you're using color, and you're talking about someone who is a mom, what kind of thing would you recommend for a mom to get? Because obviously I know for me, I am not going to have a ton of time to be, I don't know. I don't even know what you would do at home to take care of color, but basically I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> right. So if I've got a mom that's into vibrance, but you know, she's only going to be able to do it once a quarter. Um, I would probably tell her, you know, some suggestions for at-home maintenance to keep it fresh. Um, there are so many awesome products out now that like help with that. Um, especially like my novelty color people, like there are shampoos and conditioners that like you can just let set on the head and it refreshes those novelty colors that fade so easily. So, you know, I might do that, make that suggestion for someone who is still looking to have vibrancy in their hair, even though they're not going to make it in as often. Um, but then if there are some, you know, that aren't really into the vibrancy thing, but, you know, really like having some blonde in their hair or whatever, um, but can't make it in on a regular, uh, again, like I was saying earlier, I don't like to shadow root and root melt so much, um, which kind of helps with that sort of situation. If someone's not going to come in for three or four months, something like that might be great. But I like to do a lot of teasy lights where you kind of just tease the hair before you highlight it and, and it diffuses that um, look at the root. It kind of makes it more seamless and blendy as it grows out. There are plenty of techniques now um, that, you know, can be done in somebody who likes lived in low maintenance looks. And... What as far as like hairstyles that are going to be good for a mom that's not going to be, you know, like the dreaded mom cut? Yes, yes, the dreaded mom cut. Um, I would just say, like, you know, there are if it's someone who you know just kind of likes to wash and go and you know they have texture in their hair, if they would prefer to not have a lot of hair, you know, you can always do very cute cuts that you know, really showcase a person's texture and they can just kind of rock that texture with a little bit of product and just go. Or um, somebody who might be into pulling their hair up, um, you know, there's so many cute like little five minute or less um, 
styles out there. Pinterest is great for like, you know, quick updo type thing and, and messy bun type thing. And, and you can like make things so cute um, just by watching a small video that takes 30 seconds to watch and just, you know, style it if you just need something quick and on the go. Um, I know some moms, though, that, you know, would prefer to take a half hour to themselves a day and do their hair. And and then there's that, you know, you could do the beach wave thing where you, um, you know, kind of curl your hair, but leave the ends out um, from the the curling iron. You don't necessarily have to curl the entire piece of hair. It, it kind of goes from middle uh, of the hair to like rather than at the root and at the end and then you know use a little product in it and rock it messy um but there's so many things out there that you can do now and and it takes little to no time at all why do you think that that um i think we all know the mom cut you know like the kate goslin like where it was kind of i don't even know how you describe it it was like longer in the front and then super short in the back yeah. and it was like everywhere snl even did a skit about it yeah <laughs> because it was, it was so common like why did that become a thing i just think people were like oh this is going to be so easy to take care of um but to me i mean honestly i kind of just see a disconnected mess it was never really um something that i loved doing i and i might have only done it a small handful of times because I usually tried to discourage it because I just, I just didn't think it was for everybody. And people were like, oh, it's so cute. But nowadays I feel like a lot of people refer to it as the Karen haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the Karen. Yeah. And it doesn't even make sense because if, well, I'm sorry to anyone listening who has this hairstyle. I'm sure it looks nice on some people, you know, just not the Kate Goslin crazy style with the what into the like the remember the stripey highlights too. Yeah. And it was oh, like yeah. spiky in the back. <laughs> it was it was a lot. It was busy. But I always just feel like if you want short hair, like go for it. Do the pixie. What's this weird thing going on? Yeah, exactly. Pixie is adorable, and I would rather have someone do that than to do the Kate Goslin Karen haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> are there any other th like hairstyles that you maybe not hate to do, but like are just overdone, or you're like tired of? Like, you know how in the '90s everyone was like exhausted and hated doing the Rachel. Yes. Um, honestly, I feel like the stacked bob is tired, you know, that whole A-frame with the, with the extreme stack in the back. I mean, I'll do it if people ask, but I just feel that's one of those cuts that it it's tired. Like, just let's put that away. Yeah. And that was everywhere. Uh, yes. And it, it was, it is super cute. Like, I think I had a long bob version of that, like uh, about 10 years ago. Yeah. I, went and I, I loved it. And um, that was super trendy for a while. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I did a You're lot. Like, of I know. <laughs> Everyone wanted that with chunky highlights. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> Kelly Clarkson tiger stripes. Yes. <laughs> and believe it or not, unfortunately, that's somewhat coming back. All of the bad fashions are coming back. It's awful. Yes. Yes, it Every is. Every time I walk in Target, I, I just want to, oh. Oh, I know it, girl. I'm like, listen, Gen Z, we've been <laughs> there and done this. You don't want to do it. Exactly. Like the my um my 16 year old is like super into the flare pants yeah which is fine but i, I just want to warn her like yeah the more flared your pants are and the more low rise they are on a rainy day it's gonna not go well exactly <laughs> exactly I, mean, I remember walking around as a teenager so much and the bottom of my jeans were just like always wet because the, it was just awful and the yeah. 
I remember those days. Oh my word. Yes. And the, uh, apparently the visible thong is coming back. I'm like really cringing about that. I saw somewhere online recently where like they are starting to have, it's fake now. So it's like you're faking the visible thong, but still, but I guess that's becoming a thing again. That's a little bit sad. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But yeah, are there other hairstyles that you just are like, I'm so, I hate doing this. I'm so over it. Um, no, no, just that, just that one really. Yeah. Is there like a classic look that works for everyone? I don't, I don't personally feel, I think it goes a lot with the face shape. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, no, I usually try to look at everyone and change at least one thing about, you know, a certain cut that everyone seems to be asking based on something about that person. I try to, I try to keep things just slightly different for everybody. What are you seeing a lot of requests for right now? Like what? Butterfly cut, hands down, that butterfly oh. cut. Curtain bangs and a butterfly cut, like loads <laughs> of layers. I may or may not, for those listening, have asked for curtain bangs at my last appointment. <laughs> yeah, she did. She totally did. There isn't much, I, I think like, Everything you'd ask for so far has been cute. Like, I like, I, I just think it looks cute. How are those bangs? Did you regret your life? Um, A little bit. So remember, for everyone listening, how I talked about the impulsive box dye. I'm like that with pretty much everything. I, I think I was literally just sitting. We were in the chair and we were talking about bangs. And I'm like, let's do curtain bangs. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, I only regret it because as Mandy was talking about hair texture, I have been trying to embrace mine more lately. And I don't think I factored that into my decision as much because I'm not wearing my hair straight very much anymore. So I'm not like blowing out the bangs and stuff the way I used to. But otherwise, no, I don't really. Yeah, I don't. I don't usually regret my hair choices, you know, like I just kind of go with it. If it doesn't work out, I'm like, eh, whatever. (laughs) I, every time I cut bangs in my own hair, I think it's going to be a great idea. And then I'm like, there's two years of my life. I'm not getting back because it's going to take forever for this to grow back out. But like lately with everybody getting these curtain bangs, um, I'm like, you know what? I really, really think I want a very long curtain bang. But I also practice more shorts and pull my hair up a lot. And I also drive a Jeep. So my hair is up on the tops down. And I'm like, oh, should I do this? Do I really want to do this? And I'm getting my hair cut in two weeks. And I, I still I have decisions to make. I, I, It works well when I wear my hair down. Yeah. I wear my hair up. It's annoying because, like I said, I'm not really styling my hair anymore besides putting product in it. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm putting my hair up, I just pretty much, I'm just clipping it back, but when it's down, it's cute. Cause it's, it's shorter. So it holds the curl <laughs> Yeah, a lot more, but it's, you know, it's fine. And the butterfly cut, I think I tried to do that to myself, um, <laughs> you know, during the, the pandemic when Brad Mondo, right. That's who started that. Yeah. And then people send their videos in or whatever and tag him. And he kind of watches the train wrecks. (laughs) Sometimes it's really painful to watch that stuff. What do you think about the butterfly cut? I think it's really pretty. I don't know that I feel it's for everyone. Um, There are some people that just, I don't know, I feel they want to do it because they think it's going to make their hair a lot fuller, but there are, there are literally some people that just, I don't feel have enough hair to be doing that. So, and I, I let them know that, like, if I feel that it's not going to work for somebody, I just let them know that. Now, what's the difference between the butterfly cut and the wolf cut? Cause I remember both of those. So, um, I, but I don't know. The butterfly cut is a lot more flowy and it just kind of you know, those layers are a little bit longer. The wolf cut, I feel, is just very... And listen, I if someone disagrees with me, by all means, like, that's fine. But I just feel that that's one of those extreme, shaggy, textured, short, layered haircuts. Like, 
I don't know. I feel that every so often, like so many years, and what they feel is a new trend comes out, but it's really no different than something, you know, from years ago. They just are finding a different way. Like I, I actually have seen the cap reemerge recently, the cap for highlighting. I won't do it. No way. Oh um, my gosh. And they were acting like it was that. something new. And I'm like, no, people, this was a nightmare. It's it's not. It's not new. The the wolf cut. I mean, let's be real. It's a version of the shag. Like, any way you slice it, it there's nothing new under the sun. I do feel that some techniques with, like, foiling, that's come a long way. I feel that, of all things, that's the one area, the arena of hair, that I feel can evolve. Um, because, you know, I think they're getting a lot more creative with how they place foils in the head. Like when I learned 20 some years ago or 20 years ago, like they had a very specific way to place them. And most people didn't deviate from that back then. And um, now, oh my word, there's so much geometry involved in the foil placement now that wasn't there uh, years ago. And even right down to the way um, you weave, slice, whatever, if you're going to tease it or not, um, you know, even balayage, like a lot of people come in and ask for like balayage because they see all these TikToks and Instagrams of like people just freehand painting the hair and it has this beautiful look to it. But um, a lot of us do foliage in, in place of balayage because they want that nice blonde color, but open air processing of the bleach um, doesn't always get a great even lift on a balayage unless that person is already a dark blonde to begin with. So, um, you know, we've learned to adapt and, and foliage to trap heat in that foil and still give a balayage effect. Whereas that wasn't a thing 20 years ago. We didn't do all these different ways to foil hair. I, I do feel that foiling can evolve, whereas everything else, I don't think, you know, there's really nothing new under the sun. Like they just give it different names. Well, and you mentioned something that gave me a thought where you talked about people bringing you their TikTok videos. <laughs> yes. How is that like affecting your job as a hairstylist? Does it drive you crazy? Uh, I roll with things because, and my boss, she's hilarious. So I love her so much. And she's like the best boss ever, hands down. But she'll tell me, you know, she likes her simple things to do. Um, and she likes to coast. She's like, I'm coasting. And she tells me I like to take on the projects. I'm the one that likes to take on all the, the hard stuff. And she says, you know, that she feels that when people bring the Instagram, the TikTok, she, she's like, we didn't have social media years ago where people are like, I want this technique. And, you know, they would have never thought to ask that technique. They just bring a picture and the concept would be, you know, this is what I want. Um, nowadays that yes people will bring this stuff in and and it'll show the stylist doing you know said technique in the video and and they feel that that's what they need to get to a certain result and that's not always the case and it's not always going to be the same based on the hair history of the individual so i don't feel those videos are often realistic for everyone. So it can get interesting when people are like, I want this. And I'm like, okay, but yes, we can do this, but we should probably tweak it because your hairline's different than the other person. You know, this money piece you're showing me, that person's hairline shape is different than yours. There's, there's little things that I try to see in each video or picture someone brings me so I can explain to them I can do this concept for you, but because you have this or that going on with your hair, it's going to have a slightly different outcome. There is no cookie cutter situation. Everybody's body chemistry is different. Their, their shape of their head's different. There's so many factors that play into what makes a hairstyle or color realistic for an individual. Do you feel like it spreads? I don't know if misinformation is the right word to use. But to where people feel like they know, you know, all of these things and then they come in and they sit down and they're spouting off the things that they hear about on TikTok. And you're like, well, actually, yeah, it's not I, quite right. 
I feel like a lot of those videos are geared up for stylists. Um, but yet people end up watching them anyway. Somehow it comes across their their feed or whatever based on their interests. And yeah, like I'll watch some of those and I'll get it and I'll know like this was meant to be educational for me or, you know, whatever. But then if a stylist brings it in or um, a person brings it into me, um, then yeah, I'm like, okay, like, nope, this, this is not what the intended purpose was of you watching this. Um, it just depends. And you mentioned the copper being really trendy right now. Yes. Is that something that can work for everyone? Um, or are there ways to make it like where it works for, you know, like if someone brings that, if they're like, Hey, I see this on TikTok and I want this cowboy copper, you know? Uh, <laughs> and here's the thing with that. Everybody brings a different copper in for that. I've noticed they, they are not across the board, the same cowboy copper. And, and sometimes people come in and just say, I want cowboy copper. And I'm like, do you have a picture of what you see in cowboy copper? And even then I'll say to them when they show it to me, I'm like, what do you see in this picture? Because everybody's, do you guys like ever see um, on Facebook, people post pictures of shoes and they'll be like, what colors do you see in these shoes? And all these people are like, I see baby blue. I see gold. I see brown. And it's like, how, how do we all see something different here? So when someone does ask for something like that, I ask them, like, what do you see in this picture here? Like, because I need to know what tones they're seeing so I can kind of try to nail that for them. Have there has there been more of a move towards like more warmth um, now that like fall is here? Yes. Yes. A lot of people are moving toward warmth. It's actually kind of refreshing yeah, because I remember us talking like over the summer, everyone wanted the ashy blonde. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even think they realize that they don't necessarily want that. Like if you just use straight up ash on someone sometimes, like after you've bleached them, it can look muddy and darker. It doesn't give it that bright poppy blonde that people are hoping for. And um, I almost always, always mix just a tad bit of warmth in with my ashes because then it is light reflective and it keeps it a little bit more of a bright blonde rather than muddying it out mm -hmm. yeah do you feel like um color theory i see that a lot on yeah. um, instagram reels and tiktok and stuff um i feel like it makes sense you know like your skin tone and everything not everyone is meant to be ashy or warm Exactly. They're not. You you often want to look at the person's eyes and then their skin and kind of go from there because you're going to anticipate also the underlying pigments in their in their hair and their natural hair color. And you know, you you've got to kind of work with that or counterbalance it. There's there's a lot of art, like the color wheel, and there's a lot of chemistry involved in figuring out every individual color formula you use on someone. What would you tell someone who's interested in becoming a, a stylist? Oh, my word. Okay. So it's by far the best career choice I could have made for myself. Um, it, it depends. It depends. And and this is going to be a sad thought that I lay out here. But um, my my kid, he, he brought up, you know, possibly being interested in barbering. All right. And mm -hmm. I said to him, that's that's amazing. And, and that's wonderful. But, you know, depending on your financial goals, and if you're going to be single or married and have a combined income, it, it makes the world a difference with this. Like there is money to be made in this industry. However, a lot of us don't get healthcare um, or retirement or things mm -hmm. like that. Like I have an amazing job. I get, you know, some perks, um, like paid vacation and things like that. And it's wonderful. And, and I get the freedom of choosing my own schedule and doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but if God forbid, like if my husband passes away and, you know, I'm widowed, 
I might not be able to continue in the field that I love so much because I I have autoimmunity. I need I need health insurance. Mm-hmm. That's not an option for me. And I told my son, like, I would probably have to take a lower paying job to be able to pay for my health care um, because I don't have that benefit. Um, and that's hard. So, you know, these are the things that I would tell someone to consider and to look at it as a whole. There are some salons that pay healthcare, but those are your like Walmart salons, holiday hair. And I'm not saying, yes, like if you get get in full time in a corporate salon, you're going to have those benefits. And unfortunately, they don't have good, reputable names behind them, these places, but there are some people that are probably hidden gems in those places um, because they have to be there for, for their health care. Um, and that's what I would say, like weigh out all your pros and cons. All right. If you're aspiring to do this, um, because there are ways like 20 years ago, when I started, there was no social media. You couldn't mm-hmm. self-promote on social media. So to build a book, it took me two to three years to have a full book back then. I I took some time off to, to homeschool my son. And when I came back to work after COVID, there were so many stylists that were burnt out and they had just quit. And so people were looking for new stylists and I had social media and I was able to build a book in less than a year um, because I was able to market myself on social media. And that is what I would tell somebody who wants to be a stylist, like weigh out what you need benefit wise and make a plan on how you're going to be successful and, and, you know, promote yourself and, you know, build your book and know what benefits you need and all take all that into consideration and, and know that, you know, a full clientele does not happen overnight. Um, it's very hard work. There are so many things that people don't take into consideration that we do. It's very physically taxing on the body, especially if you're working 12, 13 hour days and you're in your forties. Um, so, you know, be sure that you, um, make a plan for self-care. I mean, these are all things that like, I would tell somebody who wants to do this, like, you know, make sure that you're getting massages on your shoulder blades. You're going to wish you had, make sure that you're drinking lots of water, make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, there's just so many little things, you know, and be ready to know that unless you, I mean, chances are you want to get into this because you care about people and you want to make them feel good. So be prepared that you're going to be so invested in, in the people you're serving because they share some of the most intimate things with you. And As asked, do you ever feel like a therapist? Yes. Yes, I absolutely do. And, you know, there are times that you're going to share um, really, really hard things with people. Um, and, and it does. It does affect you emotionally. And, you know, you're going to have to, like, make a plan for life balance and how you're going to turn that off when you go home to your families. Because there will be hard things. Um, like, for instance, tomorrow, I... I have an appointment with one of my clients um, and she just buried her 13 year old grandson last oh. week. And, and, you know, I'm going to have to cry with her and hug her. And, and, you know, those are, those are very hard things, but you share life with people, but it's not always sad and bad either. Like it's very yeah, it's rewarding. Like, well, even in the sad moments though, that's, you know, yeah, not that I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it's, you know, I would imagine that that's rewarding in a sad way, but you know, that's, it's you an get, amazing thing to be walking with people through all the different seasons of their life. Yes. It is an incredible privilege to be behind the chair, but it's, it's not easy work and it's not instant success. And it does take a, a thick exterior and, it, you know, in the beginning, especially owning any mistakes, because the first couple years you're out and you're trying things that you didn't do in cosmetology school. And, you know, there's got to be room for error and mistakes. And I just think there's so much to take into consideration with this job. It is the most rewarding job. 
at least in my opinion. I'm sure that, you know, everybody says that about something they're passionate about, but I, I wouldn't have chosen anything else, I don't think. And I also thought what was interesting was something you mentioned that people don't recognize all the the work that puts that goes into being a hairstylist. And I will say for me, it was when I was with an Aveda stylist back in Florida. Mm-hmm. And um, she mentioned something and it made so much sense. It was like this light bulb that I had never thought about. But she had talked about how she was a uh, like a chemistry major or something. Yeah. Now, it was so helpful for her and her job. Yeah. And that was something it was like, wow, wait a second. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you have to be good at chemistry to be a hairstylist. And you mentioned geometry, like all the angles and stuff. I think that people don't recognize that aspect of what hairstylists are having to do. I yeah. They look at it like, oh, you're just cutting hair. It's not that hard. You know, I'll watch a YouTube video. Yes. I, I will say this, like I'll build on that a little bit and, and like, by all means, I'm not trying to sound like any sort of way here, but I don't feel like in this day and age, like I said earlier, you know, there's so many different things being taught, like, especially with foiling, like different techniques. Like a lot of people nowadays are like, why is a foil highlight no longer priced like an old foil highlight? And this is why, like, we have to we don't have to. There's no law saying we have to. But if you want to continue doing well in this industry, you want to pay for ongoing education. You take classes. You continue to build on what you know already. And like all of that costs a good bit. And like even, you know, product. I mean, let's look at the grocery store. Everything is up in price. Well, same thing with our product. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a tube of hair color has tripled um, in the last like three years. So, you know, and that's in foil, I mean, aluminum foil in the store, look at how much that is like, you know, buy a box of 500 foils and, and, you know, imagine what that's like. And, and I go through a box and a half of those a week. So yes. Um, you know, there's so much involved, like the education portion, what we have to know, um, everything we get. And yes, uh, it's no longer as simple as a, you know, hundred dollar foil highlight. Like there's so many factors that have to be factored into pricing even. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people just look at it like, well, you just cut hair, you know, can't you just, can't you just do this for this amount or whatever? And it, it doesn't really work like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, the cost of everything is increased right now. And so sure. that's going to be reflected in the salon too. Yeah. But I will say, oh, we talked about this with, I think, uh, for my first appointment, um, that planning ahead is and coming regularly is a good way to keep costs down. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, even if you, you know, are like, okay, I can't come every month, but you can come every 10 to 12 weeks. Well, that's every two and a half, three months. And that's within a window of maintenance range for many types of um, color techniques. So, you know, always communicate up front with your stylist, like, hey, you know, I really can't afford to pay, you know, $300 for the full shebang every time. But, you know, could I do that once a year and then somehow have a, an easy to maintain look the rest of the time I come, if I come once a quarter or, you know, four more times during the year, whatever, um, your stylist should be able to help you make a plan, um, to look great and maintain without having to worry about every appointment you end up coming to once a year, twice a year, end up being ridiculous amounts because you got to start all over again. Right. So if you're coming like on a maintenance basis, Mm -hmm you know, once every two to three months, then you're not having to use as much of that product. Exactly. The average person grows a half inch a month. So yeah, if they're coming back in, you know, two months, two and a half months, you're only looking at about an inch and a half of regrowth, which is a lot easier to deal with than six inches of regrowth. (laughs) Like Now, one last question, and then I think we can wrap it up. How would someone find if they're looking for a new hairstylist, what would your advice be to find someone that works for them? 
I would honestly, um, I mean, word of mouth. Okay. So you could either go on like social media, you could go on those community pages and you could just type in hair and you could just see like people that have asked and see what other people are recommending and then kind of just Facebook creep that stylist and see if they have a strong presence that you like and see if they have a portfolio and see if you like their work. You could ask friends. You could make a post on your own social media account and ask your friends and and then, you know, kind of look at those stylists. Never be afraid to interview someone or to contact a stylist and say, you know, anything like what's your pricing like? Um, what would you recommend for me? You know, kind of do consultation. Um, I'm contacted a lot online because my clients are amazing and they're like quick to like suggest me to a lot of people. So, um, which I'm so grateful for. I love everybody that sits in my chair. Um, but like I've, I've had numerous consultations with people, um, you know, very loose ones online because until I see their hair, I mean, I can't, hundred percent say certain things, but, um, I end up doing really well just talking to people. So if, you know, I would just search those ways and, and maybe if you want to narrow it down to like their personality and not have to like do so much legwork to find someone, you know, talk to friends that you're close to that you're similar with and, and ask them, you know, if they think you would click with their stylist and then go from there. Even there's so many ways you could go about finding a stylist. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Oh yeah. This was fun, girl. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And for everyone listening, where can they find you on social media? Uh, okay. So on Facebook, I just go by my um, my name, which is Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y, Leigy, L-E-I-G-E-Y. Um, if you're more of an Instagram person, my Instagram handle is black.belt.beauty. And yeah, those are my primary ways I communicate. And you can see Mandy and make appointments with her at Cypress Hair Studio. Yes, and that's in Lebanon. Yep. Yeah. So thank you again and have a great week, everyone. And we will see you next time. Sounds good. Thank you so much. That's our episode for this week. New episodes will drop every Monday. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss out. Leave us a review and share to help other moms find us. Thanks for stopping by the Fireflies and Whoopie Pie podcast, the only podcast by South Central PA moms for South Central PA moms. Until next time.